podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when they still played at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show. Leave the pen, get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and I swear I ain't lying. Yeah. Leave the pen. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. This is episode 210. Got a good buddy of mine, Brent Grant, on. We got a lot to talk about. Brent has been, uh, I believe, apologies to anyone else that's been on the show many more times than him. I doubt it. He's been on episode 81, episode 131, episode 156, 183, and now episode 210. Uh, one of our favorite guests. We do it every time around this year. This is the Brent Grant interview for 2023. Brent, what's going on, bud? Nothing much, man. I didn't realize it was five times. I'm sure uh, a lot of the viewers are getting tired of hearing my voice at this point. But uh, yeah, I'm obviously I you know love talking with you. I love uh, kind of learning new perspectives from you, and, and um, obviously um, you know I kind of get to blow off some steam a little bit, which is always good for my own mental welfare. So I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, we've been going back and forth a little bit about what's been going on in the golf world. Quite honestly, um, I have been uh, I've been taking a real big hiatus from talking about the pro golf game, just with everything that's been going on. But but we're going to fire it back up with you, because, you know, if I'm bouncing ideas off of other amateurs or I'm, you know, spouting off at the mouth, you know, it really doesn't hold much weight. You know, but someone like you that's been out on tour, that's played on the Corn Ferry Tour, played on the PGA Tour, you know, one of the longest players out there, I think you have a truly unique perspective on what is currently going on in the world of golf. But let me digress. Let's go. Let's catch up real quick um, with you and your season and, and where you are right now um, to give the people an idea. So correct me if I'm wrong. Would you finish 166 on the FedEx Cup, right? <sighs> Yeah, somewhere around that number, I think. Yeah. It uh, okay. wasn't good enough. <laughs> right. So, I mean, basically just outside of that top 150. But you're prepping right now for KFT Q School Finals, correct? Down in Jacksonville? Yep. They're giving out uh, they're giving out uh, five and ties, I think. Get you into the uh, Corn Ferry Tour category. Um, obviously, it's going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, just because of, of all the things that they've they've done with the eligibility categories, but um, I mean, playing on the PGA Tour is never never going to be a bad thing. So, at least yeah. Not, so that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, you know, and, and what that looks like in the future, um, is is left to be written still. But but this is new, right? I mean, this is the first time I, I believe in like ten or eight or ten years that they've now given out cards to KFT and you know, they've had so many different ways to get onto the tour over the last five years. Um, is this something that, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm asking is how much can you tell us about the processes of, of getting onto the PGA tour now? Well, I, I can tell you as much as I know. Um, I mean, obviously um, it has been made, abundantly clear that um, certain partnerships and uh, deals that have been made over the last year or so with like the DP World Tour and other tours um, that whether it's the the 10 cars that go to the DP World Tour um, or the 
I think it's like uh, there's like Sunshine Sh- Shunt- uh, Sunshine Tour, um, you know that 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 get uh, spots into finals, or there's just all these uh, different decisions that have been made uh, that essentially have taken what we've known for the last few years. Um, certainly what I've known for the last few years, which is essentially the only way to get to the PGA Tour is through the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, and that's through going through the process of playing from January to August and into the playoffs and then getting uh, basically your your first few starts be the obviously Napa and, and Vegas and the fall season. Um, that's no longer the case. Uh, the 30 cards that come off the Corn Ferry Tour which is a full season now, so there's no like bifurcation between the playoffs and the regular season. Um, so there's no like 225s or the the pros from you know outside the 126 don't fall back down anymore. They basically uh, they basically either a if you're inside the top 40 uh, from or not top 40 the first 40 from 126 to whatever that ends up being you get to go straight to the final stage and then everybody outside of that first 40 go uh, to second stage and on down from there. So it's a little bit more complicated with regards to why they, why they chose to make, you know, change the the schedule and all that other stuff. I I don't necessarily agree with it, um, but I think it's something that needed to happen in order to involve uh, the DP world tour and that whole deal so so what what are we looking at in the future for the pga tour i mean you know obviously it's it's probably not going to look the way it has in the past right there there has to be some sort of uh evolution of this tour in order to compete i mean we we know they can't just keep on dishing out money to these elevated events so the PJ Tour is probably going to look completely different. Uh, what have you been told as far as like the Corn Ferry Tour? Like, is the Corn Ferry Tour still going to look the same as it did? Are we still going to do you know our eighteen to twenty-five weeks, and then you know we're still going to hit all those cities that that the PGA Tour doesn't? We're still going to Iowa. We're still going to Utah. We're still doing you know all that. Have they sent out a schedule for twenty twenty-four yet? What's that all look like? Yeah, I mean the. I guess, you know, realistically, um, not to put it in the simplest of terms, but certainly easiest terms for me to describe, um, the Corn Ferry Tour will be the last thing to feel the heat from, at least for now, the heat from the decisions that have been made. Um, again, I don't envy the position of Mr. Monahan or Mr. Dennis or any of the guys from the player board or the or the policy board um, or the PAC, uh, it's been, you know, incredibly difficult uh, to to obviously be um, kind of on the outside looking in. But at the same time, again, I don't envy those guys' position. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I agree with anything that they've they've said or done. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone. Uh, I know I'm not alone. And and how I how my opinion I wouldn't say comes out, but but certainly where my opinions lie. Uh, there's a lot of veterans and and other players that um, 
have a similar stance to me. But with regards to the Corn Ferry Tour, yeah, we're still, you know, they're still planning to play Bahamas and Panama, and we just added two events. Um, I think it was Argentina and Chile, uh, which is pretty cool. We just added, I think, uh, one more. There was another event in there that that wasn't um, wasn't in there last year, but yeah, the schedule as as it stands is still January to almost October now. And again, I I, I would have wished they, you know, kind of kept kept the playoff um, deal down. I think they, you know, the idea that a a PGA Tour player has to go back to Q school uh, only for five cards just doesn't. Doesn't necessarily seem right, but again, I'm sure there's things that I'm missing there that make that make that decision um, the only way they could have gone. But that is where it is at this point. So after this year on the PGA Tour and and just coming up, you know, kind of short, you had the win on the Corn Ferry Tour prior, made the jump last year, played this year on the PGA Tour. What are some of the things that you learned while being out on the PGA Tour? That's a long list, man. Um, <laughs> I, I guess mean, in relation, uh, how about in relation to your game? You know, in relation okay, to the yeah. way that you handle the week in, week out grind that is the PGA Tour life. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it. it I think it's 10 times more difficult than the Corn Ferry Tour uh, week in, week out. Um, even though you're not necessarily traveling to the best places or have the best amenities or dining or whatever which you know continue to improve which is great but but um even with the best dining uh and the best facilities and the best golf courses and all of the thing that all of the things that make our our job as golfers easier um the grind is just is just way different and and way much way not way more but uh, significantly more difficult um, simply because, I mean, you're, you're not going, uh, two, three weeks on two, three, you know, a week or two off it's, it's six, seven, eight, 10, 12 weeks in a row where the only time at this, well, last year was a good example where they had these elevated events and the year before that, they didn't have that. So, you know, guys were not necessarily playing Wells Fargo or, you know, some of these other events that, that are, that are big deals now. Yeah. Hilton head was another one, you know, that they elevated this year again. Yep. Right after the masters. Right. So, so, you know, generally, um, obviously it would be, it would be a big event, but, but, uh, you know, I, I, I would wager that, that, you know, at least a few more guys from the corn fairy tour category would get in. So that would be, you know, instead of two weeks off, that's only one week off. So, you know, and, and that's, you know, Man, before the Masters, obviously you have the uh, Texas Open and, and that whole string. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's for me personally, um, I felt like for the majority of the year I was shooting in the dark or flying without any radar, um, flying blind, if you will. And that was only because I didn't seek help for the things that I knew I needed, but I was too prideful and too caught up in kind of just the week to week thing where it's like, well, you know, you work on your game as best you can and then it'll come and it'll come and it'll come and it'll come. And then all of a sudden 
it's August, it's September, it's October, it's November, it's December now, and it hasn't come. And what were some What were some of those things that that you wish you would have kind of asked asked for a little bit? I mean, right away. I mean, it, my thing, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, as soon as I got to the PGA Tour, I should have sought help from a putting coach. Um, you know, I love I love my coach Tony Greco. He's he's an unbelievable human being and one of my best friends. But he and I have had multiple talks. He's not a putting coach, and it's 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 almost impossible to be a great swing coach and a great golf coach and also a great, a great putting coach, because there are things that just kind of slip through the cracks. Um, yeah. I mean, they're two, two completely different motions. You know I mean? Golf is played, yeah. golf is played with the golf swing. And then it's also played 50% with the putting motion, which yeah. like you said, are, are not the same at all. I, I don't think people give that enough respect out there. No, no, they don't. And and the amazing thing is, and this kind of obviously we'll dip into it, but but to kind of give a little little preview, um, you know, this conversation behind distance uh, and how it's how it's made the game a bomb and gouge game is just is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, because I can guarantee you, if Scotty Scheffler could have improved his putting, uh, and and would have improved his putting, he would have he would have trounced everybody, and. Scotty hit, hits it far, yes, but it's not like he's number one in distance, and he's certainly not number one in driving. But um, you know, any one of us that are on, on the top of the top of the board with regards to driving, um, you know, we would all we would all kill for for a half stroke better or a full stroke better uh, throughout an entire tournament. So, I mean, for me, that probably would have put me in the position of if I wasn't 180th, and let's just say I was. 100th in putting which does it sounds terrible but it's just a completely different league um and and the same goes for somebody that's 50th in putting versus 100th and so on so for me it would have been putting right away uh, i i've contracted a great guy his name's paxton o'connor he's a young dude he's director of instruction at, at desert mountain which is one of the largest golf properties uh in the world certainly in the country and um he he mentored under uh not mentored under, but worked under Butch for Butch Harmon for a little while. And, and he's a very smart guy. And I, I can tell you this, I was watching us open highlights yesterday and I was, I was like wanting to put my fist through a wall because I was realizing how many makeable birdie putts I had that week for those two days. And I just made zero. And had I just putted the way even half decent, which is way worse than what I put now, how I put now. I would have I would have made the cut and even competed for for a major title, which would have been, you know, basically just making a few more fucking pots. So. And so so like like for you, for like a pro that goes back and watches that, you know, what is that for you? Is it is it speed? Is it line? Is it green reading? Is it all the above? It certainly has touches of all of it, but I would say the majority of my issues have come from me reacting to how I know or what I know about my tendencies. So when it's, when the pressure's on for me, I always react to what I don't want to do. Right. Okay. So like in, in the, in the U S open case, the greens are very, very fast. So I'm thinking, Oh, okay. Play a little bit more break. Well, the issue was, is I may be playing a little bit more break, but I'm still hitting it two to three feet by. Right. So, a lot of the times it's speed. 
and I mean now the way I look at the way I look at speed, the way I look at intended speed, where I want the ball to actually end up, rather than just like oh I hope it starts online. Well, you can hope it starts online all you want, but if it's got the wrong speed, you're shit out of luck. So right, it's never yeah it's never getting there. Yeah, so I can read the I can tell you from ten feet away where that putt's gonna break. It, it's not it, and I'll be within you know, an inch or two probably of, of where it actually needs to be. And that's whether you've got a, a, a guy that sits there and aim points or a guy like me that, that sits there and uses my eyes. Um, so I've learned a lot about that in the last, shit, I went to go see him right before Napa. So, I mean, that was only three months ago, two months ago. So, and in that time, I've transformed my stroke, transformed my mental side of it. And I certainly am enjoying it a lot more, which is surprising <laughs> so yeah and and that and that's so much of it too you know i mean people talk so much about putting as an art form and there's a ton of science behind it but i think you know one of the things that you really need to become a, a good putter is is that confidence in yourself right looking down at a, a flat stick that that looks good to you having that confidence knowing that you can hit that speed in those lines and then you know obviously you're practicing with all that science into it but i mean you know, as a world-class player, you know, as you are, you, you talked about, you know, kind of like hoping it, it gets online. For me as an amateur, like speaking for all the people out there whose minds are blown now with hearing you talk about putting, you know, um, hearing you talk about how difficult it is. For me as an amateur, literally, there are times where I'm like, I'm just hoping that I hit this putt towards that spot that I think it's going to go to, mm-hmm. right? I'm hoping and I'm thinking it's going to, get there and yours is a lot more scientific based well it wasn't and now it is right so, gotcha. I mean, but it's but even 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 before you, know, you asked me about green reading again you know i even fought pretty hard on on what i knew about green reading and until i sought help and i mean it sounds like i'm an addict and and i don't and i don't you know obviously want to draw any any uh you know um, conclusions about what that's like, but but I literally was in such denial over what I you know my thought process about putting, and I just I let it go for nine months, and uh, you know it cost me my card. So um, you know for me, I literally emptied my cup uh, completely, and um, you know I've tried to do that with almost everything now, and, and I just see these massive improvements. Um, and I mean, it, you know, look over at what I did in the fall and I made, I think I made 84 birdies and six Eagles in six events, which is an average of, which is an, uh, an average of basically four to five birdies around, which is just absolutely insane. Um, and to think that before I was barely making one or two birdies around, um, which is the opposite of how I was in the corn trade tour, which is I would make ridiculous amounts of birdies, but then still have the bogey issues. Um, you know, so, so it just basically, it simplified my issue, um, my issues and it was, I was able to look at it and accept the criticism, accept the changes significantly easier and be able to go all in on something and not be worried about the ramifications because I couldn't get any worse. And that's not even exaggerating. I was literally ranked among the worst putters on tour and I'm ranked among one of the best ball strikers and I am one of the best drivers. So it, it's, 
it was frightening to me to see all that. And it was a huge, huge shock to my system. Um, and I'm just thankful that I had people there to be patient with me and, and take me under their wing. And, and, um, I've, I've certainly got a long way to go, but, um, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. So for a moment like that, when does that realization hit you? Does it hit you when you actually physically see those stats like laid out bare in front of you? No, it happened actually. The U.S. Open really triggered something for me because I was just really confused. I mean, I I qualified for the U.S. Open doing what I knew I had to do. I went out. I had two rounds in the same day. I played the golf courses before. I knew how the greens were going to be, and I went out and I dominated the best to the best that I could do. Um, now, I obviously had some bogeys in there and had some bad shots, but but. For how I was playing leading up to that point, I, I felt like I, that was probably the best I played all year. And then to go into the U.S. Open and have the same mindset and having played the golf course even before the week and knew what it was going to be like. And I knew that that it was a golf course that I could play really well on. And, and to be fair, literally, aside from putting, uh, I felt like I played great. Obviously, you know. Once you stop, once you start having to hit it to six feet to even have a chance to sniff the hole, the rest of the game gets pretty difficult. Um, and I, I don't know anybody that that would disagree with that. I mean, when you start stressing about having to hit it close, right? Especially at goes, a U.S. Open, everything goes. Oh yeah, I mean, good luck, right? So yeah. so you know where par is is king. And granted, this U.S. Open was kind of a joke when it comes to to the old adage, but but you know it, it was set up the best that it could have been, I think. But um, you know, and to expand on that just a little bit, I mean, the, the, so U.S. Open and then I got to Tahoe and I played the first round pretty flawlessly and I developed a yips. I mean, like the yip yips where two, three feet was questionable. And that was it. You know, that, that was the moment that I did that. I, I went to a counterbalance putter and, and I, you know, I looked at that as kind of the, the theme you know, that needed a change. And then I went and that didn't work. And then it was like, okay, well, if it's not the putter, then it must be me. And it was me all the way. It still is. Um, and I mean, shoot, I changed it to 3M. So, I mean, that was with basically nine or 10 events left, which is just no, no time at all. Um, even if I were to get stupid hot, uh, you know, obviously if I were to win one or do something crazy like that, but you know, that wasn't going to happen unless I was able to make a drastic change. And I just didn't have the time to do that. And I think that's the difference between the contrary tour and the PGA tour is that I could, you know, I could play really, really well in the first bit of the season, let's say, you know, Bahamas or whatever, and win one or win a couple. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously you want to continue to play, but if you're not playing well in the corn freight tour through the first little bit, we've got three to three to six weeks there in the first couple, three months where you've got complete time off. So it's just different. And you can, you can revamp your entire season and then go into the summer and actually absolutely kick ass. And I've seen yeah, it cause you, You've got that downtime where you can work on any of the problems that maybe you notice in those first two, three weeks. And on the PGA Tour, you're right. I mean, you're banging week after week after week, uh, and it never lets up. Ever. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And that's the argument 
you know, that's the argument behind, you know, with 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 regards to maybe even decreasing the size of fields and the the size of, of cards that are handed out and and really making the PGA Tour, you know, kind of very special in that it it, it should maybe go from January to to August or or September, but it doesn't necessarily need to be 40 to 50 events in a season and. Obviously, that that's not popular amongst a lot of the corporate suits, but you know, obviously, there's there's a few guys that that have made that argument. Um, certainly, all of the media was all about, well, these guys played so much this year, and you just can't expect that from them. And I don't necessarily disagree, but you know, the the, the issue is, is that would mean that more really good players would have to go back down to the Corn Ferry Tour, and the Corn Ferry Tour just isn't a viable option because it just it just doesn't. It doesn't even come close. Everything is ten times better, if not if not more, on the PGA Tour. And and to ask somebody to go from basically, you know, having a shot at being, you know, basically being one of the best 150 players in the world and telling them, sorry, that's not good enough. Um, that's just a difficult thing to swallow. I think that's something that that will eventually have to happen. Um, but maybe I, I, you know, I could be wrong. Again, that's just my opinion. But um, it, it doesn't seem to be trending in a great direction if we continue to have 45 events. So, for you, you ever, you ever think we're gonna see? You know, there's, there's been a little bit of talk about having almost a, a bifurcated tour where you've got your top, you know, 30, 40 guys that play these elevated events, and then you've got kind of like your regular PGA tour you know, that continues on through the year, which is what everyone kind of knows and loves as the PGA Tour. Um, any insight, anything you can talk about with that or no? No, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, okay. It's, it's, there is no, uh, I mean, <laughs> I had probably a dozen conversations with tour veterans and high-level tour veterans um, you know, big names. And then I also had dozens of conversations with some of the corporate guys and the unanimous front from the corporate guys looked a little bit, sounded a little bit like this. Well, you can always just play better. And they're not wrong. Um, The issue is for a run of the mill PGA tour player, which is essentially a top 150 player in the world. We're not talking about just in the U.S. or just in this market. It's in the world. I can take on anybody in the world and compete. And not only that, but we'll more than likely beat them if we're talking about this tour versus any other tour. Now, obviously, the Live Tour is is a, is a completely different story. I mean, you've got... 10, 12 guys on that tour that that are one of the best players in that, you know, in the in the world golf rankings. But on, as far as the best players in the PGA Tour, uh, as of now, it, it's it's hard to tell one of them. It's hard to tell a, a Ches Reedy or a or a Lanto Griffin or a, um, I mean, you name them, right? Nate Lashley. I mean. Uh, fuck. I mean, the, the list is just endless of guy, endless with guys that have kept their card for year after year after year, 
And then now all of a sudden they're on the outside looking in. Now, some of those guys that I mentioned might be inside the top 50. Quite frankly, I don't pay attention. So it doesn't really matter to me. But but either way, the guys that have grinded their way through their careers and won and kept their car done what was asked of them. And then now that's not good enough. And all the all the answer is, well, just play better. Well, if you make a decision based off of last year's rankings, which is what they basically have done with this, you know, new elevated season, could I have been inside the top 50? Absolutely. Would this conversation be drastically different? Probably. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I'm all high and mighty and that I know everything and, and that any of these guys would, would, would necessarily, you know, um, even care about my opinion because they don't. But at the end of the day, if you're on the PGA tour, it doesn't need to be this, oh, you're so much worse than everybody else. Cause you're telling me that 61 is so much worse than 51, right? 10, right. 10 spots on the tour or even 41 or 31. Like that's, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So to, to start the conversation out with, well, just play better. It's like, well, what if everybody shoots 64? What then? How are you going to figure it out? If everybody just plays better, then Somebody's got to be left out, right? Yeah, so, the, the the play better mantra is fine and dandy until you start to look deep into the tour and you have these events that issue these astronomical world ranking points with select fields, right? So I could play as good as I possibly could, but I'm probably not getting invited to the hero with Tiger. And I'm not getting these free no-cut 250 you know world ranking points for literally just showing up in the bahamas you know so there's still there's still those events and and i think one of the things that i I know one of the things that irks me i'll speak just for myself is that you never see this happen in other sports right you never see it happen in 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 major league baseball like you know the, the the cardinals don't play the yankees one day in a five inning you know, first to three run game. It doesn't happen. But on the PGA Tour, you got guys that have been off the tour for years that get special exemptions into, you know, events. Taking, depending on which way you look on it, taking spots away or whatnot. I understand sponsors exemptions and all that, right? Don't blow up my DMs on that stuff. I get it. But, (laughs) you know, at Tiger's event, you had 20 guys. Yeah. I mean, hell, Brent, you could have won the last two events on the PGA Tour and not even sniffed an invite there. But well, Lucas Glover did. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Lucas, <laughs> Lucas Glover's also got a U.S. Open, all right? But he, he did win the last two events of the he season. He did, okay. He's so also let's say, a great guy, and it's hard it, to keep hey, him out. So let's yeah. say you win one event, you, you know, you do something stupid, you know, you, you, you shoot a whatever, 60 or, or whatnot. Like, you're probably not going to get an event. And nothing against Wills Alatoris, but the dude comes right back off an of injury into a no-cut event where he's getting automatic world ranking points, right? So, like, something needs to be done about all these little outlier issues so it is fair across the board for everybody. Well, I mean, it's tough to focus on the Hero World Challenge, right? Because that field is – do I agree that it should be a world ranking point event? Probably not. yeah, I mean, now, look, that's that's an outlier event, but you yeah. can 100% look at other tour events and you get you see guys and you're like, "Wait a minute. 
how the hell is this guy still on tour? And then you realize he's been in the booth for like three years and they just needed to fill, you know, it's like a field filler. And, and in my opinion, it's like there's 30 guys on the Corn Ferry Tour better than that dude at this yeah, moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the difficult part about sponsors invites, again, as you're aware, um, you know, does it does raise some questions. Um, I can I was trying to think about I was trying to think um, there was there was an event somewhere where where oh I know so there were obviously several guys that got into all of these events based on based off of how they played last year right not this past season but the season before right right yeah twenty two right? yeah and I was above them on the list well above them on the FedEx Cup list. At one point, I think I was like, I don't know, 130 something, but but I was like fucking every cut, so it didn't really matter. But um, like, so I have no leg to stand on with regards to. I thought I should have been in the event. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I know, I, I know you don't think I'm saying that, but just to clarify for everybody yeah. else. Yeah, um, they got you. But at the end of the day, it does matter. You do make your bones, and I'm all for that. I'm all for the guys that have made their bones to get a second chance or even a third chance, because if I'm ever in that position, you know what, if, if Wells Fargo, well, they just left, but let's just say, yeah, let's, just say, say <laughs> let's just say the, the folks at RBC, um, you know, look at me and they say, well, you know, he won three events in 2025 and let's say it's like 2029. And I got hurt in 2026 and knock on wood. Uh, and I, I came back out and I didn't really take a medical and, you know, I played through it and, and did the wrong thing. Right. Cause the right thing is to take a medical and I, I didn't take a medical and I played through it and I came back in uh, 2028 after my two years were done and, or whatever it ended up being. Right. But I made good friends with RBC and for whatever reason, whether it was like I, I was in a playoff or whatever it was. And they said, you know what, Brent, you're not in you're not in this you're not in this elevated event. But, you know, I know you're struggling right now and, and you you aren't in this event, but I know you need to start. And here you go. Now, obviously, I would have to vie for that with multiple other people. And the situation breaks down a little bit differently than that. And it's way more complicated than, than, you know, if I were to win three times, obviously I'm in every event for quite a while. So it's a little bit of a different story, but, but I'll give you an example. And I love Justin Thomas. He is a fucking phenomenal guy. And I'm sorry, based just let me clear that real fast. He's been nothing but nice to me. And every time I see him, he says hello, which is more than I can say for, for a few guys. Um, but for him to be the only player outside of the top 50 that as far as like big name players, um, like truly big name players that are inside the, the circle of trust, they made a category for these elevated events specifically for him, which is PJ tour member, basically that's, that's not inside the top, not otherwise exempt, basically not inside the top. 50. Right. Right. He's the only one. Yep. Everybody, yep. everybody else, right? Because he didn't play the fall. So he didn't get inside. He didn't get inside the top 50. 
and all these other guys battled their ass. I've watched it. I talked to every single one of them, whether it was Sahith or or Taylor Montgomery or or I think fuck Adam Scott. I mean, there was there was a few guys that that didn't get inside the top fifty. They were battling their ass off, and they got inside the top sixty, and they did what they were supposed. They played better. They went out and played this tour, and they played better. Justin Thomas didn't play other than one. I think I don't even know if he played Zozo, but he played Napa, and that was it. To me, that shows that either a he knew that he was going to get into the elevated events anyways, right? Didn't need or, to worry about it, or didn't exactly, and therefore didn't need to worry about it. Yeah. Do I do I agree with that kind of way of doing things because it's it's play better, but at the same time, if you are the right person and did play really really well at some point but if you have a bad year it'll be you know you'll you'll kind of get let into it it just doesn't you when you go down that slippery slope it's it it is exactly that a slippery slope and at at the end of the day and again i love jt he's a great dude and obviously one of the best players in the world and has been for the last decade dude's incredible um less than a decade but he's fucking incredible either way um do I really care that he got that spot? No, because I wasn't going to take it from him anyways. Me personally, doesn't really affect me at all. But if we're going to talk about them, they're not being a bifurcated tour to bring it back to your question. That shows that there is. Yeah. Because all these other guys had to bust their ass in the fall. And, and, and got it done. But now have to do it again. After after Riv and Pebble, right, have to go fight for it again. Now, obviously, they're in a better position because of what they did in the fall. But either way, you're telling me that that there's not a single person on the list that that maybe deserves a spot more than Justin Thomas. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. We would have to go over it. But yeah, you know, you know what it starts to it, it starts to smell like that college campus where that five star recruit came in and is getting money from boosters, got the NIL deal, but isn't playing well, doesn't go to class. Everyone does the work for him. But you got a scrappy kid on the bench, plays a little bit better than that guy. Right. But he's not the face of the franchise. Like he's not the face of the university. Yeah. yeah I, and and, and, and again, yeah. and I, I get. I get that other side too. Like I get both yeah, sides. For like sure. That scrappy little kid is not selling tickets. Right. But it that shows five, exactly. hundred percent. It shows recruit. that there's a bifurcated tour. Yeah, it's, that's it's, it. It's, so I mean yeah. there is. I th- I, I think, you know, it definitely it, is now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to to wrap, you know, that up, because I, I definitely want to talk USGA with you in the in the ball rollback stuff, but to wrap that up, I mean, it it, it it's not called a bifurcated tour, but Things are being done and, and, and things are shown that it actually is. You know, and sometimes, I, in my opinion, it might just be easier to throw it out there and say, hey, this is, this is the way it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, the, the A tournaments and the B tournaments and then maybe some C tournaments. In there. Uh, it's been that way for a long time. I mean, that's <laughs> the thing is that, is that we have the island tour for all of the guys that don't matter. Yeah. You know, and, and, and listen, that doesn't mean that, that if you win an island tour event that it isn't meaningful. They show that they care about it by having an event and, and giving you an exemption and all that other stuff. But but for them to say that 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 these elevated events won't won't make it even more of a bifurcated tour is just is just blatant. It's a lot. Right. Uh, and, right. And, and again, 
from my perspective, if anybody wants to chop my head off about it, feel free. It's a free country for now, at least. But but you know, the the feel free to fire back at me. I would love at this point in time for them to look at all of the decisions that have been made, and anybody that follows me on Instagram which Instagram's whatever, but, but has seen my stories over the last few weeks, every decision that has been made with regards to combating live or, you know, increasing the purses for a select few tournaments or the PIP or all of this other stuff or the, or the whoop stuff or any of these other deals that have been made essentially from the hip, um, you know, any explanation they make, at this point, can't really cover what's going to end up happening. Because the explanation for the elevated events was, well, you know, it won't really do anything to the tour. You know, it's a good thing. Sponsors want it, yada, yada, yada. Well, Wells Fargo just left. So, really, they wanted it because as as of right now, um, I'm pretty sure the tour is the one paying for all these elevated events. Yeah, Until I don't know we, any sponsor that wants to give more money than they're already giving, you know, and, and not even having to say in it. It was the tour coming out and saying, hey, we got to keep up with Liv. You need to pump out an extra five mil. This person's got to go up. Way more like, than that. Well, yeah, I'm just throwing a number out. Like <laughs> the, the dude, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but the doctor that runs the hero, you know, he was like, yeah, well, we got to keep up with inflation and everything else. He's like, so we're bumping our purse from whatever, five to you know, nine and a half mil. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's insane. The tour has shown that they can't keep up with this money output and they can't. Or should they try? Or should oh, exactly. They try? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way like you're, you're just not going to match the Saudi investment fund. Like it's not going to happen. You well, don't have, you don't and, have those and, reserves. And that's, what's amazing to me, right? Is that, is that, and again, you know, anybody listening to this is going to excerpt it and, and take, a quote or two that I say, maybe they, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't really give a shit, but at this point in time to call into question how it was five years ago or 10 years ago when Tiger VJ and Phil and Jim Purick and Jerry Kelly, Fred Funk. Um, I mean, the list is just, it's just long and, and, and distinguished of players that have made just a ridiculous amount of money thanks to Phil's work, thanks to Tiger's just absolute dominance and being by far the greatest player that, that has ever walked the fairways. And, and we owe virtually, not virtually, but almost every increase in, in, in sponsorships and all that other stuff to, to oh, him. Everything and, the PGA Tour is today is... Yeah, but there, but there were other guys behind the scenes, man. I mean, I, I know sure. that, I know there were other players doing work on his behalf, and obviously Tim Fincham did a great job, and, and, and even Mon- and, and even Mr. Monaghan did, did a great job during COVID. Obviously, that's what he should have done, and that is his job. But either way, he did a great job, and so did the rest of the tour. However, at this point in time, for us to now make it about the purses as if that's what we are playing. Like that's what we're playing for. No, like back in the day, yes, the money was great, but the money was great for everybody. There were sponsorships galore. There were, there were, um, you know, purses were incredible. And 
even even to today's standards, I mean, the amount of money that some of those guys made were was ridiculous. Fifteen, twenty million dollars in in ten, twenty, ten, twenty years. I mean, anybody would take that. But um, now all the complaint is about the purses, and it just doesn't make any sense to me because the complaints are coming from guys that make five, ten, fifteen, twenty, and in some cases. 30 to 70 to $100 million off the golf course. And yes, they've earned every every one of those dollars, but you're telling me that, that you're willing to put the tour at risk because you want to play for more money because you see what a basically an infinite amount of money in an investment fund, the second largest investment fund in the world, by the way, and it is not that far off from being first, um, you're telling me that's what you want to compete against? That's like saying that's like saying MLS wants to go compete with like the Euro leagues and, and make that <laughs> yeah. kind of money. Yeah. Like the deal that, that Miami just made, like that was ridiculous. Yeah. But you think that they're you think that they're doing that all by themselves? Like right. the team has that kind of money? Hell no. Yeah. Right? So and they didn't act like they did. All they said was, "Is this is the deal?" And he gets part of the own, and Messi gets ownership and all this other shit, right? So, like, that's not complicated. But for them to say that we need to now take, we need to now, oh, we want to play less but play for more. Well, okay, hold on. You're basically saying that you want to take the funds that were relegated for everything that we do on a normal basis, including the multiple tournaments that we have. And now we're going to somehow increase that significantly, but for less tournaments. Yeah. As if we just ra- magically have that money. Yeah. Well, like, that's what that's what made me. You know, like anybody with intelligence and and anyone that knows. Unless like, we did, even, and they lied to us. I don't know. I, right. I don't know. But anyone with an iota of business sense, or anyone that can like balance their own checkbooks at home and pay bills on time, understands that's that's not feasible. You know, it, it it's just astronomical. And, you know, you mentioned the second biggest investment fund, and they are not even throwing out, like, a percentage towards <laughs> it. I mean, it's literally like you and me pissing away $5 to buy, really like, much. you know, candy and a soda on a golf course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, it's and, 100%. And to go up against that is just like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I don't I don't know anybody behind the scenes of the PGA Tour. I'll be completely honest. I you know I know no one, right? But to me, it almost seemed like somebody somewhere gave the powers at large there some poor information in the beginning. You know, like hey, if you can do this, if you can just match them, they'll back off. And, and okay, so what does ma- matching them mean? Well, matching means throwing out this much money. And I think the PIF was just like, uh, okay, well, let's just. You want to go? Let's go. I mean, yeah, like, let's that's go. The thing. We'll and, take and, and, John Rahm and I'm taking JT next and I'll take who, you know, whatever, dude. <laughs> and I, and that's the thing, man. Like, like Rahm and I, Rahm and I used to have the same, uh, we used to work out at the same gym and, and I've, I've watched him since he, I literally watched him when he was at ASU or he's, He's maybe a year or two older than I am. I mean, he's we're very close in age. Obviously, he's John Rahman, one of the best players. He will go down as one of the best players ever. But, um, you know, again, the deal – I was always taught that, that if you're going to pick a fight, you better make sure you pick it correctly. 
you choose your battles. Sure. And this is Great coming point. from a human being, by the way, that that is mouthed off way too much. And <laughs> I probably I probably have in the last half hour. But but I mean, I used to get my teeth knocked in by a lot by bigger by people that were a lot bigger than me because of the shit that I said. So eventually I figured out that you got to choose your battles. And I've never gone at a tour official. I've never, and, and, and at the end of the day, I don't have a leg to stand on with regards to saying the decisions that they should have made. I'm simply saying at the end of the day, clearly the decisions that have been made were not correct. And for them to argue that either A, that's not the case and based off of everything that they've seen, well, everything that they've seen is from a perspective that they were right in the first place. And if you're coming at an argument from I'm right no matter what, there's nothing that you're going to learn from that. And you certainly aren't going to sit at the table and say, yeah, we were wrong. So with regards to the framework agreement that they had that, that came out of absolute fucking nowhere, right? The week yeah. before the U.S. Open, when we're all supposed to go hang out with those guys, and I can say that because I was in the U.S. Open, right? I putted next to Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. I shook Phil's hand. I've known Phil for years, and I, I and I and I've known Bryson for a little while too. Like these guys are not any different. It's not like that. All of a sudden, they became these evil human beings. Yeah, they didn't and, turn into terrorists no, overnight. No, and and listen and and. I'll say this because maybe it's not a well-known fact, but my family's been fighting for this country for like 80 years. My grand, my yeah, grandfather was look, in World War II and to so the, on and so forth, right? Anybody so, that's listened to any of your other episodes knows that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, they know so what, if, what your dad was involved in. Yeah. They've, they've got the background. If anybody, if anybody's got a, got a, a reason to maybe object a little bit morally, it's me. Or it's yep. Bud Collie, right? Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, none of these, none of these guys have that. They, they can't say, well, we, we represent the United States of America. No, you don't. You don't. And you know how I know you don't? Because we've partnered with China. We've taken money from other people. No dollar is clean. So for you to say that, that well, us increasing the purses and us pulling from this and us pulling from that, well, that's, that's clean money. The Saudi money is dirty money. Guess what? I got news for you. It's all dirty. Every single dollar is dirty. So you can't make the argument about morality and money in the same breath. You just can't. So I never even tried. I said from the beginning that I wouldn't do it. But you know what? At the end of the day, who knows? I'll have a family sometime. I'm, you know, it's it's a different thing and everybody's perspective changes. John Rahm's a perfect example. Now, you can you can infer why he went, but I'll tell you, for a guy to stand up in front of the world at the U.S. Open to say, I can't stand it. I, I, I don't want to do it. It's not going to be about the money. I don't like the format, yada, yada, yada. And then six months later for him to go shows me that either A, they offered him so much money that he took it anyways, and having mm-hmm. two kids probably changed his perspective a little bit. Um, and oh, by the way, maybe he wants to just play less golf and he proved that there's not really many people on the PGA Tour that can compete with him when he's at his best. So what did he do? Took the money and now he gets to play. he's going to get to play all four majors, so who cares? Um, 
and he gets to play less events and he gets to travel around the world, which is what we should all be doing anyways. It's a worldwide game and the PGA Tour does not own a monopoly on it. And they've acted like they do. They certainly have treated players like they do. Um, and I would say that the overall theme um, from everybody involved with the decision-making, whether it's players or corporate or whatever, if we're going to continue to fight against the PIF, you better make sure that you have every single one of your hatches battened down. Because if you don't, they're going to blow you out of the water. It's just what they do. They don't go to business meetings ever thinking that they're going to lose because they don't and they don't have yeah. to. Because if they say, get told no, they say, fuck you. And that's yeah. just what they do. So, and you know what? If, if, if I'll put myself in their position briefly at this point, I understand the pride. Believe me, I'm, Unfortunately, very, very prideful. Um, but you 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 gotta at some point admit that maybe you didn't really do things the right way. And if you can do that, it's gonna be a lot easier than going and looking back when it's all over and saying, Oh man, really wish I would have done that, or really wish, oh man, I uh fuck. Sorry. Because guess what happens? The only players that are really the only people that are really going to be okay if things go any worse than what they're going now. Who knows what 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 happens when Wells Fargo is gone? Who knows? There may be ten to fifteen sponsors that say "fuck you." Who knows? There's going to be more players that leave. But at the same time, what has the line of decision making gotten us this far? It's gotten us nothing. Yeah, nothing. We're not. We haven't improved at all. If anything, we've gone down. We just lost all of Spain. So that's wonderful. <laughs> so, and I can tell you that 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 the DP World Tour is is probably not very happy with 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 what's going on. And uh, yeah, man, yeah, it's it's it, obviously I'm emotional about it, and I apologize if if uh, you know. Maybe I've said some said some things that talked out of my ass, but man, it's I'm trying to protect something that that I know I'm going to be a part of for the next 10 to 15, 20 years. And it, it's it's hard to to look at some of these guys square in the face and 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 not want to just absolutely take a fucking just go absolute yard sale on them and tell them absolute dress them down. And it's just. It's uh it's difficult, man, because it's it's really not not a good pathway to go on when you're you believe that you're right no matter what. Believe me, yeah, I know. It, I just you know, I, I lost my fucking job thinking that. So it clearly doesn't work on a, on a small scale. Can't imagine it works on a large scale. Seems like insanity to me. It's it's almost like someone that refuses to even acknowledge their smoke when their entire house is burning down. And and. Even yeah, if it's even if even if it's just a little bit, man. I mean, that, that's yeah. the thing. Is even if even if it's really not as bad as we think it is, do we really want to take the chance? Right. right. Do we really want to even fuck with it? Because I can tell you that that um, there are people that have connections with this game that go all the way back to the beginning. And uh, yes, there's argument like what Fred Couples said uh, yesterday or the day before, and I love Freddie. He, you know, he's 
been nothing but good to me. I'm a, I'm a member at, one, at his club uh, in, in California, and he's, he's unbelievable. And um, I agree with him. You know, they don't play the best golf courses, and they don't, you know, go to historic venues and all that other stuff. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't protect it. We should. We should try to do everything that we can to protect it. And that means that even looking at how we look at things and thinking that maybe we're, maybe we should stop taking it for granted and look at it as if as if we might lose it. Yeah. And if we might lose it, we better damn sure make sure we do everything to make sure that doesn't happen. And that means, again, looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, did we fuck up? Because, I mean, it's just like in a relationship, right? Like if you're if you're hanging out with a girl and she's like, I want to break up or we need to work on something or whatever. And you're not willing to go, fuck, what did I do? You're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need to look in the mirror, warts and all, and see the yeah. good and the bad, everything. Yeah. And you should look, and we should look at ourselves. And maybe I should stop speaking for the tour because, quite frankly, right as of right now, yes, I'm a voting member on the tour, but things could go, things could go poorly this week. I hope, hope not. I'm putting every ounce of effort to make sure that they don't, but maybe they go poorly and I'm on the corn trade tour. But that doesn't fucking mean I'm going to be off the tour in 2025. So, so. Yep. Or, or, or further on in the future, and I should just forget about it. Um, so, you know, and I certainly, and, and again, I've talked to a few guys. I don't trust the players, and I don't trust the, the, the current people that are making decisions to put us on a better path because the pathway that we're on right now isn't great. And there has been no sign that they're willing to actually admit that maybe they're wrong. Because PIF has stepped up to the plate, we've we they've put forth a framework agreement with Jay and 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 all the other cronies, and the player policy board said, okay, we'll work on it, and we'll work with the justice department, and we'll do this, we'll do that, and then we and then we're now we're now looking to other investors to to somehow leverage the PIF again, the lar- mm-hmm. the second largest fund in the world. It's not going to happen. It's not it ain't happen. fucking happening unless you can get the first largest to invest. It ain't fucking happening. And I don't care if it's a billion, 10 billion, 20 billion. It doesn't matter because an investment firm from the states doesn't want to lose money. The PIF don't care. They don't care because it's nothing to them. And you just can't compete with that. So maybe we should look at, I don't know. Maybe we maybe we didn't do things the right way. Just offering that. I'm not saying yeah. I know everything. Fuck, I probably don't know shit. But maybe we should. I don't know. Hey, but all good points and, and things to look into. I want to. Uh, I don't want to throw yeah, you off move on. there. Let's move on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take you down a level here. Um, and then and then let you go. You know, uh, back we'll up. Stick so, on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Second part. You know. Uh, this is interesting to me because I told you off air. I haven't spoken about this um, on the podcast at all. I posted my real quick thoughts on Instagram. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, eh, you know, I'll go back and post something a little bit more uh, intelligent instead of just kind of, yeah, you know, read about uh, it. Yeah, hot first take and so. Sure. So well, you, there's you nothing had, wrong with that. Nothing yeah. Wrong with that. No, I, I can I, I can admit, you know what I mean? When uh look, I can admit if I'm throwing stuff out there to get some views and likes, and then when I'm coming back to reality, <laughs> Clash. right? Clash, <laughs> like yes. So yes. USGA is rolling back the ball. It's not gonna affect mm-hmm. 
you till 2028. It's not going to affect me till 2030, I believe. Um, and quite honestly, it's not. But the bottom line is like, you know, people kept asking me, they're like, you know, dude, this is crazy. Like, I'm going to hoard these probably ones. I'm like, OK, that's well, you can do whatever you want. And, and I'm thinking to myself. Like, you amateurs suck. That's me too. Like, I, I'm included, right? Like, we flat out suck when you're comparing this rollback to the people that it's intended to. I mean, I, dude, I play with guys that can bomb the ball, but you know what? They bomb it like once every 10 times. They can't even hit the center of the club. And, is it, and is it really bombed? No, it's not really bombed. It's bombed past me, which is not really bombed. Yeah, is it? Is it just but, 275? Like, that's the question. Right, right. right. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, a dude that hits it, like, 255 to 270 when I'm really striping it, like, I'm not going to even notice at all. So, my opinion is irrelevant. But your opinion is actually valid on this. It's someone that was the longest player on the Corn Ferry Tour, someone that was one of the longest players this year on the PGA Tour. This is something you have a leg to stand on. And I think this is real important for people to hear coming from someone that truly bombs the ball um, more so than their buddy in the scramble. You know what I mean? That mm -hmm. stepped up and hit it. The guy that thinks they hits at 320. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when really it was a 265 carry and it rolled out to 268. I mean, you know, yeah. look, you're a legit bomber. Everybody knows that. Um, you got it. I mean, I just, I just want to know what are your thoughts on this, and do you think it's going to severely impact you personally? Okay. So first of all, I got a break because I got to. I have been fucking pounding water. So give do me it, like do it, do it, do it. I'll talk. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You're the man. Thanks, uh, So, you know, I'll give you my opinion for everyone out there first before Brent comes back. Right? I'm gonna lose two, three yards. It's not really a big deal to me. I don't think I'm going to see any difference in my irons at all. Supposedly, the USGA says that starting at a five iron, you are not going to notice any difference whatsoever. Uh, Brent Grant averaged 318 on tour. He'll tell you about what some of his longest ones are. You know, it, it, he'll tell you about the guys that are out there that it's actually going to impact. Um, it, it's one of those things where I feel like. The USGA is looking at the wrong thing in order to curb length in the game. The ball's easy. The ball's simple because it's essentially used by everybody on every single shot. However, technology in the game, driver size, I think are things that kind of got out of hand over the last decade. And we haven't addressed those issues. So, Brent, I was just All saying, right, I, think, I think the USGA looked at the ball because it's simple, it's easy to do, it's something that everyone uses on every single shot. Absolutely. But I think, personally, driver size, driver technology are, are things that got too out of control and pushed way too hard by the OEMs, and now that the cat was like out of the hat, the genie was out of the bottle, it's almost impossible to rein those things you know, back in and the ball yep. seemed to be the easiest, uh, you know, like, holistic solution. You know, so mm -hmm. I again, like, like I said before, we broke real quick. I want to get your opinion on it. You know, what what did you average on tour last year? I just said three eighteen. Oh. Was it more than that? No, I think that was about right. I, yeah, that's, I that's think what I, was I thought. That's what I thought it was. And, and the people, that's an average. 
Like 318 is a friggin' average, right? So that means he hit some under that. And what was your longest measured one last year? Oh, shit. I don't have any idea. It was long. But yeah. I, was, I, was, I was fifth or sixth in total driving. So not only do, not only do I hit it, pretty far but i hit it pretty straight and i had yeah. i had i had tournaments and again this was this was me missing a fair amount of cuts and and um so it certainly could have been better i mean it could have been worse too but but i feel like obviously if i'd have been playing better it probably would have been better on the driving stats but uh yeah i mean honestly you know um i'll target i'll target the first part so okay. uh the well first part first um Obviously, the golf ball is probably the lowest hanging fruit. Um, it would be difficult for them to tell manufacturers, hey, in three to five years, you have to decrease the size of your driver and also decrease the trampoline effect by X percentage. Um, and it, can, it, it will cap it at 2010 numbers whatever that ended up being and so their decision to look at the golf ball was pushed by a number of players mr nicholas being one of them um other golf course architects i'm sure have had um a, a hand in it uh, certainly those that, that have designed U.S. Open golf courses. Um, you know, Gil Hands obviously was, was a big uh, designer, a big, big part of the design of the L.A. Country Club redesign. Um, a younger guy. I mean, it's not like he's 85 years old, right? So, so it's not like, you know, he's, he's reaching back very far if he's, you know, because he's got a really good take on how modern golf courses need to be built. He'd be a good guy to talk to. However, um, for them to say that we are going to lose four to seven yards based off of their study and their computer models and all of that other stuff, um, if that's what it ends up being, okay, fine. Across the board. Not, I lose four to seven and somebody else doesn't lose any um or i lose more because i hit it harder but somebody else doesn't lose as much or doesn't lose any at all um if they can guarantee that fine i'm fine with that i don't have right, any that it's even that. yeah i don't care yep. but yeah that's fine i only hit it 280 and ryan moore only hits it 240 that's fine whatever he still beat my ass the other day and and uh, I outdrove him by, on an average, about 40 to 50 yards. I know because <laughs> I, I know I was doing it because he was hitting and I was having to walk quite, quite, a, quite a ways. So, and by the way, this is not a knock on Ryan Moore because I love the guy um, and he beat my ass. But it's a point that um, distance isn't everything. Because if it was, again, based off of what we just described – I would be one of the best players in the world, not vying for my fucking PJ tour card back. And by the way, that's not improving my status. That's actually, I'm getting, I'm, I'm vying for something that is worse than what I had going into this year. Um, 
still thankful for it. Still a PGA Tour card, but either way, I lost my card. So um, now the second part is difficult because now we start talking about golf courses and golf course management and resource management and with regards to water and seed and growing enough grass and moving enough dirt. I have a hard time thinking that we have to build golf courses at anything more than 74 to 7,500 yards long. The reason why I say, well, the reason why I say that is because the PGA tour doesn't play over 72 on average. And we play probably the firmest fairways, although this year I didn't feel like that was the case. Um, we play generally the fastest greens, and I would say the average length of rough has gone down um, drastically. Obviously, that speaks to golf course management, seed, and water, which is a which is a big deal across the board. I would say that the majority of golf courses now that are run by these management companies or these resorts don't give a damn and i know they don't because all they do is water the golf course all day long just to keep it green and there are many superintendents that are totally against it and they don't care so uh, the idea that all of a sudden we're going to care about water and the usga are the only people that care about water you know water reserves and 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 maintaining uh, you know all the all it just it's just bullshit so you know, for for the majority of players, uh, PGA professionals, PGA Tour professionals, um, you name it, this is a bad idea. And the reason why it's a bad idea has nothing to do with their explanation as to why it needs to happen, but how they've gone about it. I think it's absolute asinine that for them to tell us that that. Well, it's going to roll back four to seven yards and it can be 10 to 15 yards for amateurs. If my father loses any more distance than he already has, by the way, he's 54 years old and in great shape. Uh, it's simply because he doesn't play golf every day like he used to. Um, if he loses any more distance, he has to play from 6,000 yards. That's ladies tees most of the time. Or certainly the far front forward tees, which I can tell you, from my perspective, um, it's not enjoyable. I'm playing from the back tees, and he's playing from the all the way forward tees, which means, guess what? I get dropped off, and I either walk all the way up, which means even less time with my dad because I'm hitting it miles past him anyways. And the whole point of golf is that you and you're supposed to enjoy the game. But who are the ones that mostly play the game? Father and son. Mm -hmm. So, and generally, the father's a little bit older than the son to the point where he's probably not hitting it as far as the sun does. So the sun's playing at least one or two or three or four tees back in this case. Yeah. We just, we, we just had that happen in our family when we were down at Pinehurst. My yeah. oldest son is playing back from the tips and yeah, my youngest son and I are playing the normal tees, you know, it's and that, and he, yeah. here. Here's the other thing. Give me some insight of this, right? Because, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too logically or maybe, maybe I just don't know enough oh, about don't it. Go do the, don't go doing that, Dan. I mean, well, yeah, I, that that's a problem at times. So I, I want you to explain to me, or maybe someone out there can explain to me, how lopping off 10 to 15 yards is going to save golf courses, is going to bring some of these historic golf courses back into play. 
it's 10 yards. Like I, it, it just, it does. It almost seems like it's making such a minor incremental difference that it shouldn't even be touched in the first place. Because on average, the USGA is saying that we're getting 1% longer or one yard longer each year due to fitness and fine tuning, you know, and all this stuff. Oh, goodness. Are they really? I had no idea. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah, that's what they said. Yep, that's That's what they said. God, I'd be hitting it so far if that was the case. So, and hey, hey, that's not to mention the, the OEM companies are, you know, They've been giving me 25 yards the last 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I'm like, getting 575 should, yards in a year. <laughs> I should be. I'm not, but I should be. But so the USGA says one yard per year. So in five years, when this comes to fruition, the, that 10 yards or whatever it's going to be is going to be five yards less. Bullshit. There's no right. Way. So I just don't understand how changing the ball, like you mentioned, the lowest hanging fruit, which I completely agree with, um, do, does does anything and i have and look i'll be completely forthright and honest i have a phenomenal relationship with the usga like they take care of me whenever i want anything i've got great friends that work there i've also got some great friends that work there that have shaken their head on this ruling decision mm. and also can't understand why we just can't bifurcate between pros and ams like yeah sure. i don't i don't know why when you play on tour like, if I were going to play against you, you played on tour and you use your tour ball, right? Or use the model local rule. Like, that MLR, to me, seems fine. Hey, you want to play the Masters? You got to play this tour ball. You're telling me there's anybody in the world that would not play that ball at the Masters if they got to play Augusta National. It's just, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, dude, I, the, 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 the issue really goes deeper with regards to what, what even ends up looking like the, the, the model local rule ball. Right. So right. so what even what, what are manufacturers really going to be able to do? I've heard that, you know, one golf ball goes 10 miles an hour less than than our golf ball. And that that's in my well, in my calculations, that's a lot less than four to seven yards. Yeah. So yeah. And, and then and so so, you know, how are they doing it? Right. So how are they determining what is a good ball and what isn't? Right. What is a conforming ball and what isn't? Yeah, they're not know, testing every single ball from every well, player. Like, let's it's just, just say, impossible. Let's just say that they did. Right. Let's just say over the last however many years they tested at 125 miles an hour, which, by the way, if I get to 125, it's because I'm absolutely swinging out of my shoes. Um, and the majority of players, um, basically, I would say maybe seven people I know swing it at 125 or higher. <laughs> um, so it's not a really good test if it right. And if it's seven people on, you if it's seven people you know, it's zero people that are yeah. listening to this podcast know. Yeah. And that launch it at 11 and <laughs> right. 2500 or 2200 RPM. 2200, correct. Yeah, no. It doesn't fuck. If I launch it at that, yeah, I'm going to hit it as far as I possibly can. Yeah. But guess what? Again, the majority of elite players do not hit it that far. And and for them to look at a sergeant or or that that one that Woko kid and even, even by the way, even even Ludwig, right? Yes, he hits it far. But it's not like his 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 driving distance numbers are just miraculously 340 yards. Even right. when Bryson was out here, right? Even when he was out here and he's gone away from that. 
from I mean he could still vomit obviously but he's gone away from kind of being that that kind of guy um as a focus necessarily I'm sure he still spends his time ripping drivers but he was at 320 something 320 something yeah I averaged 320 something on the corn ferry tour yep yeah 327 I believe yeah so so and I think he was like 329 or something just ridiculous something ridiculous right so like Again, right, this idea that 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 guys like Bryson are just they're just everywhere. And and there are guys that can just vomit and gouge and win golf tournaments. Guess what? No, they're not. They're not doing it. And Bryson DeChambeau putted better than anybody on the planet and still does and wedged it better than anybody on the planet for the U.S. Open. But if distance was everything, he'd have won 15 times from 2020 to 2022. Yeah, I mean, not. you just gave us anecdotal evidence about how important putting is. Well, yeah, I mean, it's very, it, it's, it's, and for them to say that it's taking away skills in the game, I just, I feel like it's a, it's a parroted thing that they will, will clearly look at the importance of the strokes game category. And da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, but if you talk to any statistician worth their salt, they'll tell you, that you can't base a, a, a decision completely off of statistics because we're real world decisions are more than just ones and zeros. Yeah. So if, the, and again, if that were the case, strokes gain driving is now the most important category. Guess what? I would be one of the best players in the world and I wouldn't be walking my ass off the tour right now. So, and fighting for a fucking card at Q school of all places. So, which I've gone through now, this is my fourth time. So clearly it's not everything. Now, can I say that for virtually every long hitter that's ever played the game? You're damn right I can. Jamie Sadlowski is a perfect example. And I yeah, love Jamie, wow. and he knows I that's love Jamie. Name. Yeah, that's a name. Jamie, Jamie Sadlowski hit, hit it further than any tour player ever. Yep. Ever. And if people remember, he, he, he grew up playing hockey. He was the hockey player. You know, and incredible. Ripped it. Yeah. And, I mean, he hits his three iron, two iron. 300 yards. How do I know that? Because I've seen it. So, but I've also watched him stand in the middle of the fairway and not be able to hit the broad side of a barn and get on a green and not be able to hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah. And I know what that's like because I've been there. So the thing is, is that it's not everything. Now you can say that driving has, has become more important, but is it the distance or is it the accuracy? And the distance. It's somebody that can step up there and take their natural talent and say, yes, I hit the driver 310 yards on a freaking string every time. That's pretty impressive. There aren't many people that can do that. So to say that somehow everybody's doing that now is just a joke. It's just not true. Roy McIlroy McElroy is a perfect example of that. Roy McIlroy is in the trees sometimes. In fact, actually, more often times than you than you would think. Tiger Woods was a perfect example. Not the best driver in the world. Yeah. Unbelievable at everything else. Roy McIlroy did not become one of the best players of all time because of his driving. Yes, it gave him a weapon, but when he improved his wedges and he improved his putting, he started dominating. And by the way, I idolized the guy for fucking ever. So, yeah, you're damn right. I watched him. So for this, for this entity of self-elected people that, that are 
by no means the best golfers in the world, have never even sniffed the, a scratch level for the, for the majority of them. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. I don't really care. But they've never played it at an elite level. For them to say that, for them to say that that this is the way that the game needs to go, because in in five years golf courses are going to have to be built at 75, 77, 8,000 yards, it's just not true. Because we're playing the best golf courses to ever be built, and we're only playing them at 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 80 percent of how far we can actually play them. Yeah, yeah, so, and not to mention like for amateurs too, like to take it from the amateur side. Well, that adds that that is like a that Dan, that's like for them to even touch the amateur side was a complete mistake. Right. Because, because like, here's the thing. If I'm playing baseball, right. I might use a wood bat because it's, you know, nostalgic, right. I might use a a wood bat because I like the way it sounds, but if I wanted to enter a home (laughs) run contest and I was allowed to use a metal bat, guess what? Give me an Easton. I want to have fun, right? Like, yeah. I want to have fun out there. If you told me I could have a 500cc head driver, like, I would do that, dude, right? Because yeah. I want to play the best that I can play, and it's yeah. never going to approach even, you know, a, a, a tenth of what you guys do out there. So when, when everyone talks about this, grow the game and get more people involved, this there is are ways – it's it's a it's a big backward step, you know, and we've always had this stigma in golf that like golf's not cool and golf's for nerds. And I think we're kind of having a, well, I mean, we are a golf. <laughs> nerd. Yeah, nerds. I get it. But we're having this kind of renaissance moment in golf where, mm-hmm. you know, people that you wouldn't think play golf, play golf. Your your normal yes. golfer is not always what you deem it to be. You know, like, I, you know, like I'm not gonna lie, like my son's one of the most popular kids in high school. Right. And like one of the most loved kids and, you know, is super in shape and and uber athletic. And guess what he does? He plays golf. golf. You know what I mean? And and people see that and they're like, damn, like he does. I want to go play. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go to the range. Like there are ways to get people involved. And this this is not one of them. Like, look, I'm not going to lie. Come play me in 2030. I'm using illegal balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I I, And that's the thing. And the tour's. I can say I, I would say all this even if I wasn't even if I wasn't a PJ Tour player, right? If if we were if this was two or three years ago and we were just having this conversation, like it, it would still be the same. Yeah. Um, and even before that, even when I was on the mini tours, I would still say that. So for them to say that for them to say that 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 uh, they are uh, and and I think the, the one of the USGA guys got up on on live television on the news and said, well, you know, I'm gonna we are in a perfect spot to be able to, to affect change. And, you know, because we don't really answer to anybody. It's like, yeah, you don't. So which, which is clearly, a problem. well, it, it, it's, it's not a problem if they were to actually listen to the people that they're, they are affecting with their changes, like what they do, like, okay, great example. Okay. So they have that rule where if you can't find your ball and you knew that it went out of bounds, you go take stroke and distance, right? Right. We don't do that on tour. You know why we don't do it on tour? Because it's it's not it's not consistent with the level of penalty that a poor shot like that demand. Like it calls for. We are the best players in the world. When we make a mistake, it should be such that. 
a mistake and we should it should be costly. Now, for them to say that, well, you can't just grow up, you can't just grow the rough and you can't just build bunkers and you can't just do this and you can't just do that. Well, the amount of money that's being spent on this new golf ball, which, by the way, is totally retooling the industry and will kill the industry. I know that because I've asked virtually every amateur golfer that I know, what if you lost five to 10 yards or worse, 10 to 15 yards, and you had to play an up tee? Well, I just play the up tee. No, you wouldn't. Well, yeah, you know, it would kind of, it would kind of feel weird for me from now all of a sudden, like I've got to go play this up tee. And, and even then it's like, I'm not really hitting the ball as far as I want to hit it. And the ball's not going as straight as it normally does. And all these other things, like it takes enjoyment away from the game. The game is the largest it's ever been. And for them to say that it's going to be a negligible effect, that's like saying you could just, you know, yeah, I'm just going to ride down the street at 100 miles an hour and eh, there won't be any traffic until there is. And then all of a sudden you're dead. So that's extreme. But that's my point is that assuming that it's going to be fine is not the way it goes. The average driving distance on the tour has gone up, what, 15, 10, 15 yards in like 25 years? Yeah. Like the longest hitters are still the longest hitters. There just are more of them. Why? Because we're more athletic. Me, 15 years ago? Yeah, probably, you know, I probably still would hit it pretty far. But would I be playing golf? Probably not. So that's the thing is that is that a guy like Freddie Couples – Right, who's always hit it far, will always hit it far. Like if you take Freddie Couples at 35 and you just say Freddie Couples at 30, 35 is, is basically what you would consider like a me or a Justin Thomas or somebody like that, there are 25 of us. There's only one Rory, right? There's only one Bryson DeChambeau, right? There's not 15 Bryson DeChambeaus. Like, and there will never be because you can't, only focus on distance and expect it to improve your game drastically. Like, it doesn't happen. And every single good amateur I know that says I need to pick up 10 yards loses their game. Sure. Chasing distance. It. I, it happened yeah. to me without a doubt, without a doubt. So, so if that's the case, then if you shouldn't chase distance, then distance must not be as big of a deal as they think it is. So for them to say that the strokes game category is showing and the scoring average is showing this or showing that, and and the distance is correlating to the lowering of scoring average, I argue that. Because guess what? Tiger Woods hit it pretty damn far back in the day. Pretty damn far. So did, so did John Daly. And yet, 68.5 or 69 was still pretty damn good for a year. And I don't think that that's changing anytime soon. The reason yeah, I think, why we're... I think- that's a great point. Like, like everyone focuses on the driving distance and the fact that the distance hasn't, like over the last five to seven years, the numbers haven't increased that much. It's just that more. Oh, they've people, gone down over the last few. Yeah, and more. It's just that I think it's like, I think six years ago there were like thirty something guys that averaged over three hundred on tour. Now there's like ninety guys, right? But there, but still, like you said, no one's hitting it three sixty on average, and nope. the scoring hasn't gone down like the average score on tour across the board is not 62 it's not 65 yeah you know we're talking about we're talking about a a 
and, and clearly it's not minuscule to them, and that's their own prerogative. That's fine. Again, do I agree that the scoring average has gone down so much in the last 30 years? No, clearly it hasn't. Clearly it hasn't. Because Scotty, Scotty Scheffler averaged what he did this year. I, don't even, I think it was like just below 69 or just above 69. And when I say just below or just, just above, I'm talking about 0. .0 of a shot. Like yeah, because that's what always that's shot. what always wins the Varden Trophy. You know, no one wins yeah. the Varden Trophy at sixty-seven point five. No, <laughs> doesn't happen, right? Oh. So even Tiger in two thousand averaged, I think it was like sixty-eight, right? And like sixty-eight seven five or something like that. So sixty-eight point seven five. So like again, right? For them to say, well, look at you know, look at look at all these like mini tours and look at the look at the look at the the you know how many twenty unders win golf tournaments. That has nothing to do with the driving distance. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the reason why RSN played the way it did on the weekend was because there was no wind and the golf course was pure and it was soft. It was soft because of the rain. But I also can go to my local, let's say I go to a high class country club. I can guarantee you if it's a normal day for a normal one, like there are some that pride themselves on kicking the shit out of golfers. I love those places, but their, their golf courses are stressed. And so are their superintendents. So for them to say that the golf ball and distance is why the scores are low. I tell you what, you make the golf ball softer and it only goes four to seven yards shorter. I'm still going to shoot lower. Do you want to know why? Because I can stop the ball faster. Around the greens point. and all those other stuff. If you're telling me you want to go back to the strata and you're going to tell me my short game is somehow going to get worse, hell no. I'm going to be able to throw the ball right at the fucking hole and have it stop. Well, here's, so, what, I've always, here's what I've always contended, right? Like, okay, we're going to change the ball. We're going to do this and that and the other. You're still going to be the longest dude out there. Yeah, unless right? they, unless right. they unless make they, it inequitable, yes. right? Which, which if there is an inequity in – and across the golf ball world and across swing speed levels, that then stems to be, in my opinion, unfair. There's no reason that you should lose 20 yards and I lose two yards because hitting it long and straight is not a trait that fell out of the sky and you know clunked you on the head and all of a sudden you became that. That's a skill. Just like oh, someone yeah. that's a great wedge player that's a that's a, a a practice trait that's honed into a world class skill, and I think that's the problem. People think you can just pick a big driver up, smash a ball three hundred and thirty yards down the middle of a twenty five yard fairway, and that's not the case. No, not at all. It's not the case at all. And 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 I'll tell you this, right? So I'm playing a birdie game this week with this guy, and he hits it about thirty or forty yards shorter than me, and uh, he's winning the birdie game. So. Again, is distance everything really? Well, Brent, you just need to work on your this or that. Like, well, but your argument is that distance has made other things obsolete. Right. Made the wedge game obsolete. Made the made made the short game obsolete. Really? Because I I can tell you this right now. Dustin Johnson doesn't think that. You want to know how I know he doesn't think that? Because he spent five years working on his wedges. He got so good at it that he could tell you what how far he's going to hit it before he does it and then call out the number right after he hits it and be right. So if he didn't do that, 
yeah, maybe maybe if he gets hot one week, sure. But he dominated for like three or four straight years. Yeah. So, and was by far one of the best players for longer than that. So for him to for him to for them for the USGA or any anybody that argues that 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 distance is somehow making other things obsolete is assuming something that that is just is is it's, it's intangible. You can't you couldn't create that if you tried, right? So so for them, you want to know what I think they should have done? They should have said, "Fuck it, we're going to cap it right here, right now." The ball can't go any further than what's, what it goes right now. The drivers can't go any further than what they go right now. You can keep making drivers. You can make them more forgiving. You can do this. You can do that. But you can't make them any hotter. Period. You can't make them any faster. Good point. Okay, fine. Do that. Or even if you said, hey, you know what? We got to go. We got to go. And, and to, to kind of disagree with myself, what I started out with, I think we should go back to smaller drivers. I think that's that should have been where if you're going to go after the equipment and there needs to be a big change, go back to smaller drivers. Make it the tour and the elites play a maximum CC driver, period. And all that would say is that you get on tour, you get to the elite level, and you play a maximum CC driver. Yeah, because then at that point, the company- everybody else can play whatever they want. Right, because the companies then don't have to retool stuff. They can just make yep. additional equipment to sell. Yeah. Yeah, all because they have, you know to, all they have be- to say is that this is literally the more forgiving, longer version of what Brent Grant plays on tour. Right, right. And you know that there's going to be amateurs that want to play the same exact equipment you do, so they're going to so purchase that, that as well. So they'll sell that too. And for the players and for the players that know that they can't hit them, I guarantee you, I have a three wood in my in my garage right now that if I were to put that in front of 99.999% of golfers, they wouldn't like it because it's about a golf ball and a half size. <laughs> so they know that they know that that's the case, but they can't convince. They're not going to convince the big names, the ones that have come out in support of it. They're not going to be able to convince those guys to go for it because part of what makes them so special is the way they drive the golf ball yeah, because of how the driver is built. But I can tell you that I still see, and I still spend plenty of time myself in the fucking bushes. So clearly my distance doesn't do anything except for put a, a more of a importance on or give more importance to, or make it more important to hit my wedges better and hit it straighter, which is still, by the way, very, very important, and it will never change. Yep. And I just, oh, I really true. don't understand why. I really, I read all of the, I read the studies. I spoke to a few guys at the Bar this year. I read all the emails. I read the the USGA rule. Everything that they've done makes no logical sense. They can't test it. They they shouldn't be testing it at those parameters because nobody fucking hits the ball that way. You can't tell amateurs that they're going to lose 10 to 15 yards and say, well, eh, just move up a tee. You'll be fine. That's like the play better argument. So now we're looking at them saying, well, fuck you. We know you enjoy the game, but we're, we're going to tell you now what you need to do because we know what's best for you. Mm, where have we heard that before? I just love the bureaucracy that, that is 
creating all of this. It's just, it's yeah, just it's a little bit of uh, that dictatorship feel that, you know, five to seven people no. want to manage. That's why the tour said no. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, and t- you know, Titleist said no too. Did you see Titleist post? I did. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. 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 And for all the tour shortcomings, you know, this, this last year or so, that was one I can jump aboard. Um, yeah, all right, listen, I, so I'm, yeah, I want to, I want to get you out of here on a, on a good note. I don't want you to be so fired up. You know, oh, going fucking into, Let's fucking go. <laughs> into practicing for this week for the finals. Um, give me I, I just want to know if you can take one thing away from this year on tour, maybe your favorite moment, maybe your most eye opening moment. Uh, maybe it's something that, you know, kind of made that core memory that you will never forget from this year on tour. What would that be? Uh, so I was playing pretty well at Pebble this year and, um, my dad's favorite golf course ever and always wanted to be and play on and, and always loved watching was Spyglass. And, um, now mind you, another great thing about the PGA tour compared to the corn Ferry tour is that my parents and family and friends have been able to watch more tournaments this year, which is something I'm just it, it's it's pretty incredible what we get to do on the PGA tour and um another reason why we want why I want to protect it so bad but uh, so uh my dad had never been we 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 didn't get to play or go to any of these places my dad worked at Bay Hill as a security as for, for Tiger security back in the day but that was really the the only time he had been any anywhere near uh, a golf course of that magnitude so I never played Pebble, um, you know, uh, any of these other big name courses. I never played growing up and he never played. So to be at Spyglass with my dad playing well, I mean, I think I was like top 20 or top 15 um, at the time. And I was playing well and it was a beautiful day. The rain was gone. The wind was gone. Of course, it was soaked, but it didn't matter. Um, and then for me... That week was by far the the most incredible experience I've had on the PGA Tour. Um, And funny enough, actually, I didn't get to play the back nine at Pebble during the practice round. And I had never been on the back nine at Pebble before that. So when I stood on 18 on Saturday, excuse me, what was that? Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday. Um. That was the first time I had ever been there. Um, and so for me and my and my dad was there with me because obviously we, we finished up Saturday morning on Spyglass and then went and played Pebble um, later that later that morning. And so for me, that was something I'm going to be eternally grateful for. And, and uh, through all of my shortcomings and 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 loud mouthness, uh, I would say that uh, that's something that is. Uh, truly truly special to me and and, um yeah i'm really really thankful for that that was awesome that's fantastic that is very cool well brent look dude you know best of luck this week down in jacksonville obviously you are always one of the a most requested guests to have back on (laughs) the most listened to guests uh, that we have and and slowly becoming an institution this is almost like when people host saturday night live you know they say the seventh time hosted this is Number five for you. Um, not the first, definitely not the last. Uh, again, I thank you so much for everything, bud. 
My pleasure, Dan. I I, uh, I've, I really enjoyed these. And again, uh, any any time I've I've been able to uh, kind of get heated and and uh, you know kind of get all my thoughts out, you've been you've been uh, great at, at at letting that happen and, and being incredibly <laughs> inquisitive and and uh, it's it's been good. I, I didn't obviously there are a few people that would disagree with me. Uh, coming onto a podcast and talking about all this stuff a couple days before I got to go do do my job, but this really gave me an opportunity to get all that shit out and and uh, really thankful for it, man. So I'm really uh, looking forward to the next one. Hopefully not in a year. So nice, nice, awesome. Well, that you know, clear your head, clear your heart, right? Can't lose coming up this week. Yeah, buddy. Yep, all absolutely. right, all right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Swannies is here with a fresh take. Performance-based materials are a given these days, but if you're looking for the stretchiest and most lightweight pieces that deliver a look that says I'm here for a good time, take a walk on the Swanee side. With fabric sourced from recycled plastics and design sourced from our very own Weekend Warriors, Swannies is looking out for both our planet and those that need a little style to boost their drive another 15 yards. Premium looks from top to bottom at swannies.com. Podcast patrons, Leave the Pin Podcast is super stoked to have Gas House Golf as their official clothing sponsor for the podcast. Go to gashousegolf.com, find them on all forms of social media at gashousegolf. Gas House makes affordable, eye-catching, one-of-a-kind polos that help you stand out from the crowd. Why spend $75, $100, or even more on polos that make you look like everybody else when you can get one at an affordable price from Gas House Golf? Hit the ball a mile and look damn good doing it.